This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. I'll be in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll be in some other places too, but this is where we're going to start. The last time I spoke uh, was during the series on prayer. I thought that uh, series uh, was really enjoyable to me. I don't think you can ever uh, speak too much, maybe on prayer. It is a great uh, topic. Um, prayer is so integral to Christianity. The series is over, but we certainly don't quit praying, right? Uh, quite, kind of the opposite. The series on prayer was to encourage us to pray all the more. To, uh, as 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Not that it means to walk around in a constant state of prayer, never doing anything, but always constantly saying a prayer to God. But to never give up on prayer. To never put it on the shelf and let it get dusty. To always keep it at your ready. And like a pistol in a holster on your hip ready to go at all times used uh, maybe like a, a favorite wrench or a tool or something that you use a lot used frequently maybe you're a carpenter and you've got that one hammer that sort of smoothed down to where it, it's like it, it knows your hand Something you go to like that. It's what prayer is supposed to be. Pray, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, without ceasing. But this, this isn't a lesson on prayer, right? We, we gave those. This is on something a little different, although it's very, very closely related. Uh, specific, you might say. And so I want to zoom out off of that very brief verse just a little bit and, and, and capture the, the verse before and after it. So before and after Paul says pray without ceasing, in its totality he says, the prayer part is, is a part of a trio of three instructions that he's given the brothers and sisters at Thessalonica. Verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul is just a few verses away from closing out this letter to the church at Thessalonica. And this is what he's leaving them with. Rejoice pray, and give thanks. Always, all the time, without ceasing, 
in everything, in all circumstances, to do these things. So things must be pretty good in Thessalonica, right? They, I mean, I, I envision a place where everybody's, everybody's happy. It, 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 it's like that um, movie with uh, Jim Carrey, where he's or he, he doesn't know it, but he is on a TV show, and everybody else in the whole town is our actors. And so they're all being really super friendly to him, and so it's just, you know, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows every day, and he's, you know, it's just beautiful. That's, that's what it must be at the church at Thessalonica. Every 2 p.m., every day at 2 p.m., there's a big Walt Disney World parade down the middle of town as everybody rejoices and gives thanks for Jesus in Thessalonica. We can actually go to Acts chapter 17 and take a look. So let's do that. That's in starting in verse 4. After Paul preaches uh, Christ to them for some Sabbath days in a row, <clears throat> Luke records, and some of them were persuaded, that is the Jews at those uh, synagogues, and a great multitude of the devout Greeks were persuaded as well. And not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. So that's great news. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious and took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find Paul and Silas, they dragged Jason and some other brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there is another king, Jesus." And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, that means they forced them to post, post bond, they let them go. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. But when the Jews, verse 13, from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, the Jews that were envious there at Thessalonica, when they learned that Paul was down in Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. And so the, immediately the brethren at Berea sent Paul away to go to the sea. So the opposition at Thessalonica was so fierce, so, you might say, rabid, that not only did they run Paul out of that city, arrest some of the new converts there in Thessalonica, but when they heard that Paul, when they heard where Paul went, oh, he's down in Berea, they went down, followed him there, raised up a ruckus there, and ran him out of that city too. That's how fervent is the persecution at Thessalonica. Keep in mind, these are brand new converts, right? Babes in Christ. And this is what they have to contend with.
And yet, Paul has the audacity to not just suggest to them, but to give them instructions. This is a command. Rejoice always. A lot of preachers might stand behind the pulpit and proclaim a gospel where everything is sunny and everything's rosy. Health and wealth gospel, we might say, right? That's not the case in reality, is it? It's certainly not the case for our brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago in Thessalonica. They had it rough. And yet, Paul says, rejoice always. Now, Paul, how are they going to do that? How are they going to rejoice always when Paul himself was run out of town and the neighboring town too? Paul says, you pray. You pray about it. You keep praying about it. And you don't give up praying about it. Whatever it is, without ceasing... Paul says, pray. It reminds me of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Remember that verse? Be anxious for nothing, but pray about it. Now, if you're quick, you noticed I left something out of that famous verse. It's, it's, it's in there almost yeah, like you can run right over it real easy. Like, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. It's just sort of dashed in there, kind of like a side item on a menu. You know, I love the burger. What would you like? What would your sides with like? Oh, I forgot about the sides. You know, I'm really bad about that. Michaela could tell you that. He said, uh, where are the sides at? Uh, I, 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 yeah, just the fries, I guess. Sure. Thanks. You know. Is that what the with Thanksgiving is there? It's just the fries on the side. It's, maybe it's the curly fries, sweet potato fries. The baked potato, it's the rice with the rice and fresh veggies, you know. Um, no, that's the secret ingredient. That little dash of with thanksgiving is what brings it all together. Whatever. Your circumstance is, Paul says, be thankful. Now, this is when, you know, I mean, this, is, this isn't a new novel sermon, but this is the part in the sermon where we stop to remind you that Paul doesn't say, hey, be thankful for everything. He says, be thankful in everything. Whatever your circumstances are, in that circumstance, be thankful. 
for something. Take your pick, but be thankful. Like in the letter to the Thessalonians, that letter to the Philippians, that be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart, hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's what that produces. That prayer, you know, praying about it and finding thanks in all circumstances. It will produce the peace that surpasses all understanding and empower you to, dare we say, rejoice always. Like I was saying, this is how Paul is finishing up. He's wrapping up the book to the Thessalonians. Finishing up, and he said, this is what I'm leaving you with. These three things. Do these things. This isn't a suggestion. Do them. It's like a doctor, okay? He's heard everything. He's got, we talked about a lot of stuff. It's like, here's the prescription. There you go. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, in all circumstances, give thanks. In similar manner, he wraps up the, the uh, letter to the Philippians. Because that verse in Philippians happens in the last chapter. As he's closing out, he's giving them the same thing. And in fact, if you look just two verses prior to the be anxious for nothing verse, with thanksgiving, Philippians 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice always in the Lord. And again, I will say rejoice. This is a famous verse, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. There's a song Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It's kind of like a round. It keeps going. Right? Why wouldn't it, right? Rejoice always. Is it any coincidence that those two different churches receive such similar instructions? I don't think so. Rejoice always. Again, I will say says Paul. Rejoice! Paul, how? I can't. It's just weighing me down. Don't be anxious for anything. Take it to God. Over and over. Keep, don't give up on taking it to God. Pray without ceasing. But in all of this, be thankful. This is how we are to come into God's presence. Psalms 100. One of the most famous passages in the Bible, verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. How do you come in before the presence of God? You better be coming in with thanksgiving. This isn't just any old person. You're not just going to go see your neighbor here. This is the throne room of God, and you come into his presence, enter his courts with Praise, be thankful to him, and bless his name. 
Psalms 95, verse 2. Let us come before his presence. Let us come before into his presence. How do we come into his presence? With thanksgiving. It's like we're presenting a sacrifice to God. There were a lot of sacrifices in the Old Testament. There was one sacrifice specifically called sacrifice of thanksgiving. And that's what we're supposed to to come into his presence with, this, this notion of like presenting God an offering, and what is, the, what is the essence of this offering? It's our thanksgiving. In fact, God speaks to these offerings in Psalms 50, talking about all these, all, all these bulls and, and goats and all manner of things. And I won't read all of Psalms 50. But he says, you know... If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. I don't really need all of these animals from you. I wouldn't ask you to give me of your herd if, I, if that was what I was needed because all of these animals are mine anyway. The cattle on a thousand hills, he says, are mine. All the beasts in the forest, they're all mine, God says. So, verse 14, he says, do this. Offer to God thanksgiving. He goes through a long list of stuff there, and he comes and it boils down to that. Thanksgiving. You know, in, in every other sacrifice, you walk away with something, uh, you walk away a little lighter than where when you showed up right? You sacrifice a goat, guess what you walk away without? (laughs) The goat. (laughs) Same with the bull, a grain offering, Uh, you know, we're going to take some time here, uh, as was exemplified for us thousands of years ago, to lay aside in store by offering something uh, to the Lord. So what is it about offering God thanksgiving that we're sacrificing? Because it seems to me like, well, you can give thanks for free, right? I can say thank you. I know sometimes it's like to get my kids to say thank you. It's like, you know, tell them thank you. Thank you. You know, they run off. It's like, no, you got to mean it. (laughs) Um, What is it that you walk away with having sacrificed when you offer thanks? Giving. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, let's just start. You sacrifice the notion of entitlement. That's right off the bat, I think of. It's like, well, if I'm thankful for anything, then I'm admitting that I don't necessarily deserve that. I don't just automatically ought to expect that I get that. Because I'm thankful for it. So I have sacrificed the notion of entitlement, the, the attitude of, well, I ought to have that anyway. You see how that's sacrificed? I walk away without that. Another thing I think I'll walk away without is self-pity. 
you feel down, down on yourself, self-pity, be thankful. Being thankful focuses us on something good that we have received and we didn't have before. It also, I believe, sacrifices depression. Brian gave us a, a great lesson on depression um, several months ago now. Thanksgiving. It gives us a new perspective on the notion that, hey, I am a recipient of something good. That it's not all doom and despair. It's not gloom and emptiness. But that God is giving me good things. And I believe one of the chief things is that it sacrifices a notion of independence from God. I'm not independent. I'm not all self-reliant. I am in debt to God for giving me something and I am offering and sacrificing that false notion of self-reliance at the feet, at the throne of God, saying, thank you. Thank you, God. I am dependent on you. I am sacrificing my independence from God. And so it's replaced with dependence. It's replaced with trust. It's replaced with the notion of the things that you have, that God has given you, the good things in your life that you possess, as opposed to, we tend to start thinking about, uh, I don't mean to wax too long on this, you've heard me speak before, but all the things you don't have. It's easy to get caught up in all the things we don't have. But when we're thankful, we're thankful for the things we do have. And it shifts that perspective. This is what Jesus taught his disciples when he fed the 5,000 and the subsequent 7,000. By design, Jesus leads them out to where there's no food out there except for one boy who brought a little lunch, feeding the 5,000. And what do we got? Well, we've got five loaves and two fish. But they say, well, what are they amongst so many? This is... This is not just an insufficient amount. It's a ridiculously insufficient amount. And Jesus says, that's perfect. I'll take it. Just what I was looking for. Something ridiculously insufficient. Now let me show you what you do with that. First thing Jesus did, you know, he took, once he took it, what does he do? Blesses it. He says, all right, let's bow our heads and give thanks for this ridiculously insufficient amount. You don't think you got enough? There's much more in that lesson to that. But you start with thanks, being thankful for it. Being thankful for what we have. It changes our attitude. 
it gives us that ability to rejoice always. Attitude, I think, is like temperature. It's like temperature outside. You know, it's a beautiful day. Have you noticed how gorgeous it is this morning? We're going to the park here later, Lord willing, and uh, look to really and just enjoy the weather out there. It's beautiful. It's bright and sunshiny day. And it's 110 degrees outside. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll catch up with y'all later. Or we had a, remember that cold spell we just had this past winter? That was cold, wasn't it? Some, some folks here from, you know, that spent time in Colorado are like, yeah, it just felt like we were out northwest. <laughs> we're not supposed to get, you know, minus 10 degrees here, not, uh, not usually. It'll be bright and sunny out, minus 10 degrees. Yeah, I think I'll hang out inside. But you take a day like this and you put it, you know, I don't know, what if, you dial it in, whatever your favorite temperature is, you know, 65, 68 degrees outside, 70, whatever, right in that range there. Boy, it's beautiful, isn't it? What if it's overcast sky? Overcast sky and it's 68, you know, degrees outside. But, you know, it's nice. I'm actually looking forward. I mentioned to Michaela uh, recently. It's like I was upstairs and it was raining outside. I like the rain. And I said, you know, it's, it's been a long time since I've sat on my front porch and watched it rain. I, I like to do that. Why? It's been too cold. It's been kind of miserable and nasty, we say, outside. It's cold and wet. It's nasty. But, you know, if it's 70 degrees and it's raining outside, I like to, boy, that's nice. I want to sit out there under a porch and watch the blessings come down. Attitude is like temperature. It'll make almost any day nice. I doubt any of us will suffer loss like Job. I certainly hope that doesn't befall any of us. And Job said, even in his extreme circumstance, says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job sets quite the example for us, brothers and sisters. Quite the example. Let us be thankful. Habakkuk says, chapter 317, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Maybe you say you can't find that attitude. Maybe you want that kind of attitude, but you can't find it. You're looking for it, but you're just not coming up with it. You find the attitude in gratitude.
That's where it's at. That's where it's at. Ephesians 4.31. Paul writes, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Just get rid of all of this. I'll read that list again. But know this. He's saying, all of this, get rid of it. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking with all malice. Get rid of it. Empty it out of your heads. It's a pollution of the world. Instead, fill it from Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, this is the last thing he tells them to do. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are of are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Meditate on these things. Dwell on them. Fill your minds with these things. These good things, these are things to be thankful for. Fill your minds with thanksgiving. You want a bad attitude? Stop being thankful. Or at least... Stop, stop really meaning it. You know what I mean? Have you ever told your kids, you know, say you're sorry, you know, and they go, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, say you're sorry like you mean it, right? I know, I'm, I know y'all have heard that, right? Say you're sorry like you mean it. Uh, I'm sorry, it's okay. <laughs> Hear that a lot in my house. <laughs> Can we say thanks to God like we mean it? If you say, I mean, it's, it's easy to get into the rote, right? You know what I mean? Like rote memorization. It's just you got, you know, a few things. You just, you know, okay, thank you for this, 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 this. Boom, I'm done. Okay, I'm going outside. Or I'm stuffing my face or whatever, you know. It's, it's easy to slip into that. The Bible says dwell on these good things. Meditate on them. Soak in them like a bath. Sometimes that's what it takes. Let those, let that thanksgiving permeate your heart. I promise that if you can do that, you know, whether it's on your couch or your chair or on the floor at the foot of your bed, you will get up in a different state of mind than what you went down. To 
be thankful. Romans 1.21, speaking to the other side, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, speaking to the Gentiles who can see from with their eyes that somebody created this universe. So they knew God, but they did not glorify him as God. And just, I mean, just to tell you how far and how bad they had gone, this is thrown in there, nor were they thankful. How about that? Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their hearts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Not being thankful to God is what the wicked do. That's what the wicked do. Now, who thinks they can probably or ought to improve how thankful, how often they're thankful to God? Not really asking you to raise your hands, but think about it. You know, Thanksgiving is not just about us. You know, we get, it's like an intrinsic payment God gives us. You know, be thankful. Pray. Pray about your anxieties and, and, and focus on the good things to be thank, and be thankful for them. Meditate on those. Dwell on it. And we can find joy but Thanksgiving is not just about us. That attitude, that joy, in spite of the suffering, in spite of the hard situations, the bad, less than ideal circumstances, that joy is a sign to the rest of the world. It's a sign. Be ready to give an answer, the Lord says. Well, for for everybody to ask you, you know, a reason for the hope that is in you. How do they know about that hope that's in you? Because they can see it. And if that wasn't enough, it's also a sign for the evidence of God's coming judgment. So let's, let's turn to 2 Thessalonians. Because, you know, we, we don't just have one letter to the Thessalonians. We have two. And we, we read kind of like where... Paul left off. You know, this is that, okay, I'm finishing up with the first letter. You know. Right, so rejoice, pray, be thankful. All right, so fast forward, not too long, we, we think. It wasn't too, too long before they got this second letter. How, does, how, how are things going? Maybe everything's improved. Maybe they're not under this persecution as much as they were. Paul writes, verse 3, we are bound to thank God always for you. And then he, he's thinking. Paul's being thankful. He's being thankful for them. Quick with the example. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting 
because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Doesn't sound like things have lightened up. Not at all. Perhaps they've worsened. Patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Paul, Paul, is, Paul is excited about their faith. And he writes to him, man, I, I'm thankful for y'all. It's like, Paul, why aren't you like leading the book with consolation? Right? Why aren't you writing, dear brothers and sisters at Thessalonica, I am so sorry for all the persecutions and the tribulations that uh, you have been enduring on and on for all this time. My deepest condolences. I know you're suffering we're praying that that will end. As soon as it, no, he's saying, I'm praying, thanks, thanking God for your faith and your patience in spite of all the suffering. And he says that's evidence. That's evidence of God's coming judgment. It's, it's your faith. Thanksgiving is not just about us. It changes us so that God can speak through that joy. Faith is the substance, the evidence of things not seen. Substance of things hoped for. It's, you have these expectations of what's to come. Right? We say, we believe in God. We believe that Jesus is coming again. If you don't show that, then you don't really believe it. It's not something you actually have to do extra. James says it's just part of what faith is. If you really believe it, then you do it, because what you do is a reflection of what you believe. It's something that's visible. We can't see heaven. We can't see that God's judgment is coming whenever it comes. But the world can see how we're living. And they can see our faith because our faith is external. It's not just kept bottled up inside our, our heads. We live it out. I'll actually say this. Whatever your faith is, that's what you're living out. If you want to know what your faith is, look at how you're living. That's your faith. It's tangible. It's substance. It's substantial. It's clearly seen manifest evidence. Being thankful affects how we look to the world. It's for their benefit. It's for God's glory. 
It's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. This is what Paul has commanded the Thessalonians. He's commanded the Philippians. And he says in the book of Thessalonica, hey, uh, to the church of Thessalonica, I charge you, read this letter to all the brethren. That includes us. We are to be thankful. God just says outright, do it. There have been times that I was thankful that this life is not eternal. I'm glad it's not. This world is full of too many heartaches and sorrows. It certainly was for the, our brothers and sisters back in Thessalonica. Well, all of those brethren that were enduring that, they have rest now. They're with the Lord. 2,000 years ago, our brothers, sisters suffered in various, and today, you know, various places across the globe. Brothers and sisters are suffering from persecution and from who knows what, and some of us suffer in here too. And it's not necessarily because we're Christians, but Suffering touches us all. Sooner or later, in one form or another, we suffer. But Jesus says that we don't suffer alone. He's with us. I am with you always, he says. And there's something you can always be thankful for, is that he's with you. He is with you. And one day, Jesus will say, you're coming home. That's happening, right? I mean, every day is one day closer to that last sunrise for us. There will be the last day for us, individually maybe, but it will be my last day. Like Jesus said to the criminal on the cross, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. There will come a day for each of us when the sun rises that last time. And in Jesus, we have much to be thankful for. I will leave you with that. Romans 6, 3 says, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Galatians says, As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If you're not in Christ, then thank God that today you can be. Baptistry is right here behind me. It's ready. It's ready, and it's something we can be thankful for. So, if you need to, come on up here as we stand and sing.
We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.